Hello, welcome back to Top Track, a weekly podcast that analyzes and scrutinizes your favorite albums from the rock and roll library, alphabetically, one letter at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Andrew Mull. And I'm another co-host, Matt Tessier. Uh, there may be many great songs on some of these albums, but there can only be one top track, Matt. That's the name of the game. We're up to letter C now, and we didn't really discuss this a whole lot. We kind of settled on this one pretty quick. If I roll well, no, I, I take that back. I We did kind of go back and forth. We debated over doing uh, Credence. Creed. Credence. <laughs> Creed, the one Creed. with... Uh... All the good songs on it. And so we settled on the cars. Yeah, Andrew reached out. I was knee-deep in, in research on CCR, <laughs> uh, Cosmos Factory, and he said, let's do the cars debut album. I was like, absolutely. You say jump, and I say how high. That's right. Well, yeah, we jumped into the cars. The cars debut album uh, debuted on June 6, 1978. And so... Where do we want to start on the cars? Could they have picked a better band name? Maybe that's a good place to start. I don't know. It's very economical. It is. Um, and I, don't, I, I think I remember some reading some things about Rick Ocasek. I think it was... Uh, is it Rick Ocasek? It is. Okay. I, I know. I was totally prepared to come in here and say Ocasek for like an hour and a half. I was programmed as a youth to say Rick Ocasek. I know. I know. But I think you are right. It's Rick Ocasek. And you know how I know? How do you know? Brandon Flowers' uh, induction speech for their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Well, he would have he would have gotten it right. You would get it right he for that right. that forum. Yes. I would think that they would ask him, they would pull him aside and say, look, is it Ocasek <laughs> or Ocasek? So Ocasek. That's right, man. Why is it Ocasek? Or is it Ocasek? Could it be Ocasek? <laughs> it, it could be. <laughs> I mean, if you were to go back to, like, uh, I don't know, Poland in the 1500s, Maybe, where you think it was Aukas, uh, and and set some things right, Marty McFly style. Yeah, it could be Akasek. Akasek, but Okasek. Okay, so you're gonna have to like throw something at me every time I say you just Okasek. you just do you, Andrew. All just right. say it however it's, it feels it's right. It's not a hard A. It's a soft A. They're gonna know who we're talking about. Okay, all right. Regardless. Who else? Who else is in the band besides Rick Okasek? Well, we Okasek. got the uh, the great Benjamin Orr on bass and huh. sometimes vocals. That's right. Um, and uh, I was actually a little surprised. I guess for a while I didn't know that he sang some of the some of my favorite tunes on here. Uh, Elliot Easton on guitar, a great left-handed guitarist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Hawks on keyboard, fantastic keyboard player, and David Robinson on drums. The, the center for the Spurs. That's the one. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Very um, cool. He's multi-talented. So you know, it's funny because like. I only knew of Okasek or an Easton. Like, um, so you only knew about three fifths of the band. Huh? I did. Okay. I did. I did. I know. I'm a terrible musicologist, music historian, whatever you want to call it. But I, I was not familiar with with uh, David Robinson or Hawks. Yeah. I mean, I knew. Obviously, I knew that it wasn't a trio. I knew that there were other people in the band, but I just didn't. I never knew their names. Yeah, and I only jest in in mocking yeah. you for knowing three of the five because I think. Most people would just know Rick Ocasek. Yeah. Uh, and, and Ben. And Ben. Okay, sure. If you watch the videos, you yeah. know there's a different dude singing some of these songs. Well, when you hear them for the first time, they sound very, very similar. But as you become more familiar with their catalog, you definitely hear That's exactly Benjamin right. Orr has a much better voice. 
But their voices are very similarly pitched, I think. That's a good point. I, I mean, I they're, they're convincing them. as each other if you didn't know any better. Exactly. Like, if Benjamin Orr needed to do, you might think. I think he could probably do it. You might think he could. But no, that's, no I think that's... Uh, I bet we're not alone in that. I bet there are a lot of people that didn't realize that they were that there are two lead singers yeah same with like uh depeche mode martin gore and dave gahan sound really similar and uh i didn't know that either when you look into it martin gore sings a lot of those songs you think is dave gahan so it's kind of interesting uh that they found two guys that sound pretty similar and both very talented yeah uh this whole band is talented though man they definitely play what is suited Yes, that song. is the recurring theme of this whole album, yeah. I think. They give the, the, the song room yeah. to breathe. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Easton's not in there just like shatting all over the song with his stupid soul. No, they're like really smart solos. Yeah, uh, really tasteful. serve the song. Yeah, tasteful. tasteful. Everything is in service to the song with these guys. Yes. I love a three minute, not, not to say that I don't like a seven or eight minute drawn out jam because i do there's a time and place for that sure if you can not bore us and get to the chorus and keep it to a three minute pop song and what a weird setup where uh they have all these great musicians and then you have rick okasik who's the rhythm guitarist but a brilliant songwriter Mm -hmm. as the creative force i mean this is a really interesting lineup yeah it is the story kind of goes that these that uh okasik and or i guess were they kind of known each other for a few years. They'd crossed paths a few times, maybe played in bands together, which is very common with a lot of bands. Um, you know, you, your, your two principal leads sort of uh, form a bond and a friendship, and they sort of, you know, continue to stay together through different iterations. And I think this is probably a good example of that. But they hit it big, uh, I guess, towards the end of 77, and then they got signed to Elektra in 78, and they released their debut album in the summer of 78 when a lot of good music was coming out, and I wrote some of the notable albums that came out in June of 78. Okay. If I may. Sure. All right. The floor uh, is yours. The, thank you. Uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town by Bruce Springsteen Ooh. came out in, seven, in, spring, in June of 78. <laughs> Double Vision by Foreigner. Well, Okay, just bear with me. Uh, you, were, you were saying this was a, a notable <laughs> list? Yeah. Some Girls by the Rolling Stones. Yeah, Joe Walsh, but seriously. All, is, those, all those albums came out in June of 78. Do you have that pulled up? Can I, you? This is interesting. I, I have a, an old Rolling Stone article. No. Um, about the cars, but at the bottom mm-hmm. it's got ads for uh, albums that are out at some place. Record and tape collector. Hmm. Um, Joe Walsh, but seriously, folks. But seriously, that folks. is the name That's of that. It's, it's right here in black and white. Okay, well there you go. Uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Okay. Kenny Loggins' Night Watch. Oh, forgot that Classic. one. Classic. Yeah. Teddy Pendergrass' Life Is a Song Worth Singing. How could I miss that one? That's on you, man. Uh, Boston, don't look back. So oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, at least that's a that's a uh, you know a famous one anyway. The Grease soundtrack. It goes on and on. Great year for music. All right. Well, yeah. And a great summer for music. So, yeah. So, this album comes out, and I guess I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm I'm assuming you probably have some of that research done. But, like, did this album make a splash? Number 18 on the Billboard charts. Okay. Spent 139 weeks in the top 200. Holy shit. Uh, Sold. How many years is that? 
<laughs> You're doing it again, I know, man. I'm sorry. Is that two and a half years ish? Almost, sure. almost three years. Yeah, like 52 weeks in a year. Yeah. Okay, yeah, maybe close to, close to three. Uh, okay. Yeah, six million uh, records that's, sold. That's an accomplishment. Yeah, um, but before this album, um, the way I understand it is there was a demo circulating around Boston where these guys are from. Have you heard this demo? Mm-mm. Wow, you can go find it on YouTube. It is like as it's raw. It's as fully formed a demo and a vision, a creative vision, as I've ever ha- heard a demo be. And so they were radio stations were already playing this thing around Boston, and that's, that's how it got traction. You go listen to it, and it's amazing. I keep forgetting they're a Boston band. That's yes. weird. Uh, let me. I'd like to read this uh, little quote to you because we we, sure. we did uh, Aerosmith. Yeah. Not long ago, so this is from, another famous band from Beantown. Exactly. So Rolling Stone says that the Cars are potentially the most widely appealing band to come out of Boston since Aerosmith. Mm. And and in 1978, Aerosmith was on the downward slide. Um, I'm trying to think. Other bands from Boston, Jay Giles was from Boston. Um, okay. You familiar with them? Uh, <laughs> a little bit. House of Pain. Can't of course, them. No. Was Boston from Boston? <laughs> That's a damn good question. I, <laughs> I don't even listeners, know. Help I don't us know. out. I don't know. Was Kansas from Kansas? I don't know. Shit, if I, I know. Don't know. That's a. Uh, that's I, I'm assuming they are, but uh, who knows? Um, in fact, there's no way to know. We'll have to leave that unsolved, right? As uh, <laughs> as, as a wise man once said. Uh, but yeah, so nine tracks. Uh, yeah, lean. I think you used the word lean when we were in the green room earlier. Yeah, right, which we're still in, I think. Um, But what do you think about, so uh, this producer, Roy Thomas Baker, uh, apparently. The guy, right? Yeah, who produced Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This guy did a fantastic job producing this album. It is perfect production-wise, I think. What did this guy bring that's not yeah. in the demo. Well, it it you know, with every demo, it's a bunch of kids trying to figure out um the record business. This is like an adult from the record world saying, "No, this is what it really needs." It mm-hmm. it, it added some polish to it. And okay. um you know, you think of the Cars, they're a little edgy. Maybe not they're not the most polished band, but um I'd say the the sheen uh cert- factor certainly increased between the demo and the final product. Well, when you hear this album, the one of the things that screams across the songs is polish. Yeah. Like they definitely sound polished. Um, vocals are polished. Yeah. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? The like harmonies just, are immaculate. They're really good. Well, should we? Uh, I'd like to lay one, oh, while we're on oh, the, the stats, no, no. No, uh, no, I have one more interesting I love stats. stat. Uh, so Rolling Stone had a, a list of the uh what did they call it the 40 albums that boomers loved that millennials don't know okay so um number one on that list was bonnie Raitt, nick of time Ooh. um but this one was number 14 on that list interesting yeah um and that's sad because this is a fantastic album that i think informs a lot of newer new wavy bands yeah and laid the groundwork for a lot of great stuff when i think of the strokes i wonder if like the mm-hmm. strokes have a are are the strokes without the cars yeah you know that's what I mean? one that comes to mind um, um there's a lot block party I mean, I mean you could take any band 
yeah. uh, that has a Weezer. synthesizer. There you go. Weezer, who uh, Rick Okasik produced some of yeah. their stuff. Yeah. Um, they knew. Yeah. They knew that that was an influence for them. I mean, for sure. they wear it on their, their sleeve. Yeah. I bet you a lot of bands from the 90s probably had the Cars as influences. No so, doubt. Um, in addition to Weezer. So, yeah. Um, let's. We flipping a coin? Are we uh, going to get into. Yeah. Figuring out the top track through our uh, ultra um, scientific method. There's only one way to do it, and it has to be done this way. And as as uh, for those of you who have listened to our show, you know, the way that we arrive at the top track is by whittling down uh, the songs one at a time. We each take turns, and when we're finished, we're left with the top track, and that is solid, strong as oak. It is. <laughs> It is in stone. It will be the epitaph on Rick Ocasek and Benjamin Orr's. Yeah. Tombstone. I mean, uh, I think insurance companies actually use this algorithm to figure out, you know, their their risk out there uh, because this is so scientific. It's true. Very few people know that. Well, the last couple of times we've done this, we haven't had a coin to flip, but I actually brought a coin. Yeah, we've been flipping some uh, random shit, but the show's doing better now. We're, we're <laughs> yeah. two episodes in. Uh, listenership is off the charts and so you have what is that a nickel it's a nickel okay yeah so that's about where we're at yeah uh there are nine songs on the cars debut album and i think it should go it it should be mentioned that the cars ran from 78 to about 87 Mm -hmm. they uh released an album a year probably for a good you know four or five years there and they, you know, you know, this album is known as probably their their most important, uh, but they also had a pretty big breakthrough album in '84, "Heartbeat City," which had a few hits on it, uh, a lot of hits on it actually, that um, really blew up during the MTV era. But this album is commonly referred to as their greatest hits album, and the the reason why is because so many songs from this album. Are on their greatest hits, and in fact, if you and if if you wanted to refer one album to uh, somebody who wanted to get into the Cars, it would undoubtedly undoubtedly be their debut album. So um, there are nine songs on this album. Side one, "Good Times Roll," "My Best Friend's Girl," "Just What I Needed," "I'm in Touch with Your World," "Don't You Stop." Uh, You're All I've Got Tonight, Open Side 2, Bye Bye Love, Moving in Stereo, and Side 2 in the album close with All Mixed Up. All right, hold on. Before we flip, we haven't talked about the album cover yet, and there actually is some controversy with the album cover. So um, I'll just ask you first, what do you think of it, the album cover? It's just kind of describe it for okay. It's a it's a curly haired lady uh, with red lipstick uh, in a car, um, Mm -hmm. very on the nose. Yes. Um, I guess she's feigning excitement. uh, Yes. Being on the open road and in this new era of music. Bright red lipstick. Very attractive woman. Mm -hmm. With a seat with a transparent steering wheel. That's an interesting touch. Yeah, I I don't know what's up with that. Yeah. Do you know much about this model? I, I don't know who she is or why she was chosen. I do know that the inner sleeve is a black and white photo collage of okay. the band members and several other little 
artistic-y, like, like their logo at the time and that kind of thing. And that was what, it's basically a, it's reminiscent of like Exile on Main Street um, album is. cover. That's what they want, that's what the band wanted for their album cover. And Electra Records said, no thanks, we're going to go ahead and go with the, the supermodel. Yeah. The point of that, of course, is to sell records, so... That's what they went with, but uh, I think it. There's actually there have been several interviews, and Elliot Easton looks for every opportunity. I think to, um, to remind people that that's not the album cover that they wanted. But like it's a, I think it's, it's it's sort of a chicken and the egg kind of thing. Like, is it an iconic album cover because the album's great? Yeah. Would it have been an iconic album cover without the great album? It's an Probably. interesting question. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you say that that's usually whenever you see an iconic album cover, it's usually because the album itself is... There are a fair amount of people out there that just buy albums for the covers. And so if you want to get this into the most uh, hands that you can, you're going to put an attractive Russian model on it. And uh, maybe that that fanned the fire of getting it heard, you know? Uh, There's something to be said for that, but... um, Apparently, David Robinson designed the inner sleeve. I think he was. Okay. He designed quite a few of the covers, and so that was uh, his design. And like you said, that was the one everybody wanted. Mm-hmm. But um, they ended up with this one. I only know the album from the album cover that it has, but I do agree that the collage is cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's it's definitely artistic and. You know, it's kind of iconic at this point, whether you like it or not. You know, yeah. if you take away the, I guess the the lettering on it, like you know, that's the Cars album. Mm-hmm. You're right, exactly, exactly. I mean, like the fact is, we're getting into corporate rock, whether we like to admit it or not. And even in in, in as long ago as the late '70s, and I think those kinds of decisions were already starting to happen, even with bands such as the Cars. Electra had had a bunch of I think the cars were the only new wave band on the Electra label. Yes, I think I read that somewhere too. And it was a bunch of other It's like Jackson Brown and Yeah, a bunch of singer-songwriters. Yeah. Uh, Eagles were on there. Eagles might have been on Asylum, but which which may have been bought out by Electra, I can't remember, but it was a lot of singer-songwriters. Mm-hmm. And so the cars one of the things that they think helped them in the early days was the fact that they were the only new wave act on the label and so it kind of helped them uh, distinguish themselves um but anyway so yeah that's the album cover um are you ready to let's flip this thing flip a coin all right so now is that a uh, a jefferson head nickel or a buffalo head nickel i don't know yet i'm about to find out let's see i'll take my glasses off it is a jefferson okay all right, so why don't you call it this time? I feel like I've called well, then you, it. The, well, then you okay. got to flip. I can't flip and call it. That would be, be the designated flipper. Yeah, there you go. All right, <clears throat> tails. Tails, it is. Oh, tails never fails. I get to go first, and the very first song that I'm knocking off of the Cars' debut album, June 6, nineteen seventy-eight, is "I'm in Touch with Your mm. World." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That was a Wait, surprise, wasn't it? Do we have a safe word for this episode? <laughs> oh, because right. what about um, you just made me Rico Carsick? <laughs> <laughs> that's too bad. That's too bad. I can't be. I can't. No, that's be it. it. No, nope. that's it. All right. When someone removes the other person's top track, 
we have to shout out the safe word, the safe word, which is you're making me Rick O'Carsick. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Uh, the first song that we are removing from the Cars debut album is I'm in touch with your world. And we're going to play a little bit of it now. enough of that one <laughs> i promise you listeners this album is great right right just stick with us all that stuff we said before about this being an awesome album we promise you it is great it will be just gotta get through this one rough patch where did you have this song on your list this is number nine for me okay. as well right. like easy yeah. easy this is the easiest decision i've ever made <laughs> on this show i think the song the i think the sound effects are kind of cute and a little quirky and um, bring some, you know, some weirdness to it. But it's got a groove that just, it goes nowhere. Like the groove is, it sounds like, okay, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like if I'm in my room, studio, whatever you want to call it, I'm playing music and I'm just like noodling around at four in the morning. Mm -hmm. This is what I come up with. Right. You're this, not this coming up with anything good at no, four o'clock in the morning. No, this is what I. This is exactly the kind of nonsense I come up with at four <laughs> in the morning. So, that's my take. Wait, this this you, is some solid nonsense right here. This okay. is a steaming pile of dog shit <laughs> of a song. I don't know how it ended up on here. I know. Think about how great this album would have been with eight songs. Yeah. And this one not on it. Yeah. Or just any other ninth song. Yeah, just like any just other anything song. Anything else. Um. This one of these one of the songs on this album is not like the others. This is it. Mm -hmm. um, it's got a bizarre underwater feel to it. Uh, it drags. It's slow and plodding with like uh, overactive like tom work. Uh, like you said, lots of quirky shit in this song. Uh, there's slide whistle. There's whistle whistle, which I'll call coach's whistle. Yeah. Um, for lack of a better description, um, there's like shakers on this the lyrics are awful like there's references to the silo Cybin pony which tells me they were trying to like take a like make an effort at like a psychedelic song yeah i yeah and it doesn't land for this album mm -mm. no and i'm i'm looking it up right now to see if they've ever played this in concert i can't imagine how do you even play this this turd in, in concert. I mean, so like, I'm guessing that the, uh, that Hawks, that he's the keyboard player, right? Mm -hmm. Synthesizer. I'm guessing, I'm guessing he had sound effects or presets on his keyboard that he could go to. Um, I have a set list from August 26, 1978. Okay. Are you, are you interested in what yeah, this? Let's, let's hear this. Uh, they open. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I I'm not going to spoil anything. 
This song is on the set list. Wow. Yeah. Is it because they these were the nine songs they had and they didn't... The, what were you going to do? The whole show is 12 songs. So okay. very possible that that's exactly what happened. Um, there's only three or four songs on here that were not on the album. So, yeah, um, maybe their catalog was pretty thin at this time but i i yeah this is this would this would be if i'm going to go go to the bathroom and yeah. get a beer this is the song i'm leaving to go do that and and like you said i think even an eight song album would have been better than than sticking this on there yeah the, but you know the, you you hit on something interesting about the keyboard settings and now uh-huh. it's occurring to me that this is hawk's getting a new keyboard that has these functionalities <laughs> yes and he wants to use them in some respect he's like oh i really want to use that coach's whistle and this yes. is what happened yes he's like hey hey guys i got i can i got a slide whistle sound right. effect on here who wants to hear a slide whistle or what's that what's that spinny oh man what, what is that thing called what is that thing called leave a I, comment the album length is 35 minutes and 11 seconds so if you remove this song, you still have about 32 minutes. And this is snug towards the end of the first the first side. I Yeah, you lose this one and you've got a, a banger of a first side. But yeah. anyway, anyway. Is it true that the first three songs are all three minutes and 44 seconds? Do you have 344, that? 344, 344, and 344. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Easy, easy decision. All right, so it's up to you now. I might have to go with all mixed up on, on this one. Mmm, I this one pretty high. She shadows me in the mirror. She never leaves on the light. And some things that I say to her they just don't seem to bite. Yeah, so um, let me just say, this is not a bad song by any stretch of the imagination. That's why this is uh, this is going to get really difficult. Uh, ben Orr there on, on vocals, um, doing a great job. This is a, a strange, pro, very proggy, uh, very prog rock song for this album. And uh, something I've found about this album is that it really is straddling this like new era in music, this new wave where we're going from 70s rock, there are certain characteristics of 70s rock, and we're moving into the new wave era. And this song really straddles both those worlds pretty well. Um, you've got, you know, Elliot, Elliot Easton, he's getting to play some guitar parts that, um, that he really doesn't get to play on some of the other songs. They're they're more forward. They're more not aggressive, but more in your face. I guess they're not they're tasteful, but they're not economical like the other ones. 
Um, there's some sick vocal harmonies in here, and as you would expect from Roy Thomas Baker, Queen's producer. Um, there's a sax outro at the end by Hawks, mm-hmm. which is not an instrument that you would ever uh, expect to hear on a Cars song, and uh, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, this is a... Uh, oh, and, and Hawks is playing some organ on here as opposed to synth. So this is really like not indicative of of the album as a whole, I find. Uh, and I think, I think it's a great part of a suite that includes moving in stereo, but, um, I, we got to keep them separate cause there's so few songs. I don't think we can yeah. really pair up songs, even though like side B has a lot of, uh, uh, instances where songs move seamlessly into the next one. Which is pretty yeah, cool. There's a lot of that on there. On here. There is. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Well, you said this is pretty high on your list. It was. I love when he starts the chorus and he goes into that little keyboard line that just it goes from a minor to a major, I think is really cool. And I think uh, Benjamin Orr has a great vocal on it. Uh, he's never listed in your, like, if you're making your list of your favorite vocalists, you're never going to put Benjamin Orr on there. True. But I think he's pretty underrated. And I think he, he does a good job of making some of these lyrics who, that sound kind of nonsensical in some way, making them sound good. Like, he, he makes the lyrics better, I think, just the way he sings them. I'm not crazy about the saxophone, but I'm not a saxophone <laughs> fan, really, anyway. So uh, it's hard for me to really get into saxophone playing in general. Um, I had this, actually, when I was looking at it, I had this right in the middle. So it's okay. it's nine songs, so... You could argue it's high up, but it's 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 right in the middle. So it's not, it's definitely not one of the ones that like I'm gonna be totally crushed that it's out, out that's out of there. But mm-hmm. it's a, it's still a good one. Was this a single? This was a single in the Netherlands, actually. Who in the Netherlands? Okay. Yeah. So interesting choice there. There's um, there's also like some like a lot of things that are uncharacteristic of the album. Like there, I feel like there's some jangly bird style like rickenbacker sounding um twang on there yes there is it's just different yeah yeah you the jangly guitar is going to pop up in another song uh one or two other ones but it does you're right it does pop up in this one uh interestingly this is the closer which i don't know that i would have put this at was this the closer it is yeah yeah curious i'm not sure if this would be the closer i don't know maybe it should i don't know uh it's a vibe. Yeah, maybe maybe it actually maybe it actually should be the closer. I mean, yeah, after all the high energy, uh, most of it's high energy. That's true. Um, there's some low key, lower key moments, but uh, yeah, maybe it's maybe it actually is a perfect closer. Now that I'm thinking about it, I was gonna say moving in stereo is maybe a better closer, mm-hmm. but this one I think is probably a good closer too. I love moving in stereo as an as an intro to this as an entree. Yes. Um, yes. I feel like. That that's a great. Uh, imagine how that sounded on vinyl. Those two songs yeah, together. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, it's been a thing. All right, so it's back to me it's now. Back to you. All right. And moving in stereo, ironically enough, was my next one. Oh no! Oh no! no we're not. I, we're, we're not oh, I didn't say. I, we're not at safe word. Okay, but levels yet. But go ahead and play right, the song. Let's go ahead. All right. Thank you. 
It's a good song. Life's the same, moving in stereo. Life's the same, except for my shoes. Life's the same, you're shaking like tremolo. Life's the same, it's all inside you. That's, this is the problem with this album. This is a problem, yeah. Because this is a great song, and nothing says the Cars like this album, like this song. This song has everything about the Cars in it. It's got that cool synthesizer, a great Benjamin Orr vocal with a great reverb. Drums are awesome. The stereo panning is a little on the nose. <laughs> I will say that. I don't know. It may be, take a little too long to get going for me, mm-hmm. but it's it, it was hard to put this one where I did. Um, this was not released as a single, but this one got a lot of airplay. What what's going to happen with this album is that pretty much from here on out, uh, starting with really with all mixed up and pretty much through the rest of the record, every song on this album you hear on the radio. All the time. Yeah. If you go to any classic rock radio station, any serious radio station that plays uh, stuff from the late seventies, <clears throat> you're going to hear all these songs. This was number two for me. Oh, wow. this was very high up. Okay. I will say that now. Okay. Um, that that snare drum yeah. is like everything, man. It's like good. Whatever it is, I don't know if David Robinson's using a synth drum or he's doing gated reverb on a real drum. But it's killer, dude. Like, uh, it's just a vibe. It's good. Mood-wise, this is a great respite from the the rest of the album, um, which is just a power pop toward the force. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually really love these lyrics, too. Like you said, I think Ben Orr gives a lot of, like, uh, weight to potentially what might be bad lyrics on paper. Give me an example. uh, Life's the same, I'm moving in stereo. Life's the same, except for my shoes. Life's the same, you're shaking like tremolo. Life's the same, it's all inside you. But like the way he sings it is just super cool, man. It just works. If you and I were songsmiths, I feel like you and I could fix those lyrics in 20 seconds. However, they sound great. They don't need to be fixed. They don't need to be fixed. They sound Great. You're if you right. saw them You're on paper, right. though, without hearing the song, you'd be like, "These are trash, Matt." Go back to the well. Uh, no, don't quit your day job. Right. Uh, there's some uh, great instrumental jam at the end of this song. Yes. And uh, some killer harmonizing guitars. I think it's like this, like dual guitar okay. attack. Now maybe it could be one guitar and Hawks's synth kind of weaving in and out. It's hard to tell sometimes, but there's some harmonizing lead instruments going on okay and this is a rare songwriting credit for hawks as a matter of fact oh he gets a songwriting credit he does which makes me wonder like what could have been if rick had let him in a little more to the songwriting process interesting cultural aside i guess Mm -hmm. this was this the 
the music for the scene from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the infamous scene with Phoebe Cates. It was. But it was an instrumental version of it. Yeah, I don't remember that. I do remember this song being used in that scene, in that infamous scene. Okay, you have a better memory than I do, yeah. my friend. Yeah, I do, but I don't remember... I think I just assumed it was a cover version of the song, but I, hmm. I don't know. It's also kind of epic and, and proggy as well, but... Yeah. It's like a prog rock song in a new wave style, which is really interesting. All right, so I believe it's that was my pick, so I think it's up to you, right? Man, okay. Don't just stop with a CHA. Oh. Although it's a kick ass song. It is. <laughs> great song again yeah um wow what a great palate cleanser after the nonsense of <laughs> i'm in touch with your world oh, that's right yeah because if you're listening to this album you're like wow uh you know it's it's great 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 and then i'm in touch with your world comes on you're like okay this uh, made a bad choice shelling out my hard-earned money from the dairy queen to buy this but then this song comes on and redeems your faith it's got a great four on the floor new wave uh powerhouse kind of vibe to it. it it's definitely a cars song um the chorus is an unexpected style change in the middle of this song um it goes from like kind of a brooding song to a lighter i don't know it's almost got like a circus organ kind of vibe from hawks there uh it, it but it's it's just a great example of the cars kind of peppering their songs with little unexpected uh, twists here and there um, and also very indicative of them kind of straddling two different eras of music you know they're they've got like an old school rock and roll thing mixed in with the new wave sound um, so I think this is just a great example of a car song what are your thoughts well the key change from the verse to the chorus is it, it's very jarring mm -hmm. and it's almost like it's two songs I don't know that, that it was, um, and I don't know that it probably wasn't because they're both they're both the, the tempo is really the same for each for for both, and the, it feels like it was probably written as one song, but it, you could al almost make an argument that it's a totally different. Like it's almost like a leftover chorus from something else yeah. that needed to be needed a home somewhere. It feels retrofitted in. Yeah, it does in a way. 
I love the jangly guitar though, or the it's not really jangly. I don't know how you describe the guitar. It's it's Elliot Easton guitar yeah. though. It sounds it's a really cool little lick that he's got going on there that again goes back to what I was saying, what we were both saying that he really would service the song as well as anybody with just tasteful absolutely. You know, like it's a cool it's a it's a really cool riff that adds a lot to the song. You take that riff out of it, it's not. I don't think. I think the song loses a lot without that little, yeah, little guitar riff in there. All right, so it's my turn again, huh? That it is. All right, we're down to five songs, and um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we're about to get into our first single from the album, "Good Times Roll." Hmm, okay. Here we go. on this one no doubt man he's the star of this show yeah um good times roll so good times roll is the album opener side one first song and the world's what, introduction to the cars yes which is an interesting decision is it not this is a very important choice i think you could probably lead off with a different song but also this is a this is you really can't quibble too much with leading off with this one. Um, it's a really good song. And the drums sound programmed. I think he used an electronic drum kit okay. for a lot of this. Okay. This was the third single, so this was not the lead-off single. It was the lead-off track for the album, but it was the third of the, of the three singles. And... Uh, just to kind of give you the chart perspective of it, it uh, it almost cracked the top forty. It didn't quite get the, got to forty one, <laughs> got really close, and it didn't really it didn't really make a dent uh, on any other uh, charts. So close to a top, you can almost consider it a top forty. It probably got some airplay at the time. Um, I think when we talk about Roy Thomas Baker. I think this is a good example of where he was particularly influential, helpful, however you want to put it. So anyway, what are, you, what are your thoughts on it? This was my number five okay. uh, song, which means uh, I, I would have chosen it next as well. Okay. Um, you know, great track one, side one. That opening riff is pretty, pretty killer. Nothing fancy, but, it, but again, it's in service to the song, and it's got that new wave cool. 
And um, yeah, like like you said, this is Ocasek taking a swipe at the illusion of rock and roll, I think. And uh, he even acknowledged in some interview that the awkward gait and stumbling like rhythmic feel of the song is itself of a parody of, of rock and roll. So ah, very so never, never caught that. Very thoughtful um, indictment of, of rock and roll, but still it's a super cool song. Yeah. And uh, like you said, Roy Thomas Baker, this is the dude that produced Bohemian Rhapsody, man. And I don't know. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that might be the greatest vocal uh, track of the 20th century. Yeah. That's... Um, and I'd put it up there, you know, take four centuries of music like Beethoven, Bach, and it's probably one of the greatest songs in 400 years of music. Definitely the best production he definitely a, needed Freddie Mercury this to is make true. it great. This but, is true. But no, but it wasn't right. all Roy Thomas. Nobody says, oh, here comes that Roy Thomas Baker track <laughs> right. uh, in Wayne's World. It's like you said with Robinson, finding different ways to do things. Hawks must have like 10 different synth parts in here, and they're all different, and they all mm-hmm. do different things. He's doing like some stuff on the low end, some stuff on the high end, and it's fun to go pick out all the differences in there. Yeah, and I'm noticing it listening to I haven't really listened to this a lot on headphones, but I, I bought a new pair of headphones last week, and I'm hearing it, it sounds so much better on headphones. So if you yes, if if you uh, get a pair of headphones and listen to this song on headphones, I think that's the, really the proper way to listen to it. It's interesting you say that because when you were just playing the song, mm-hmm. um, I noticed a few things I had never noticed before. Yeah, me too. Um, some drumming and some synth that I'd never noticed before on in my in my truck's uh, CD player <laughs> with my library CD that I checked out from the East Baton Rouge oh, Parish okay. Library. It wasn't on there, man. It's like they left it out of my copy. But on here, it, it you're right. It's it's uh, it's this is a headphone track. You are in command, and as of yet, neither of us have had to uh, pull out the safe word. You're all I've got tonight. This was not it. Touched a nerve on that one? Yeah, it did. This was number getting two. Getting a little woozy, not quite Rick Ocarsic. <laughs> Definitely get a little queasy. This was number two on my oh, list. Wow. And here is You're All I've Got Tonight, right here on Top Track. I just want to play the whole song. Yeah, yeah. This was never released as a single. Am I right about that? When your when your debut album is this good and a song this great is not a single, like man, you've got it going on. From from the moment of that that flanged out like uh, tom sound in the beginning, you've got the chunky guitar intro, you've got the tortured love uh, lyrical content, 
Greg Hawks synth leads, uh, Elliot Easton solos, the harmonies in the chorus. This just all adds up to uh, the perfect car song to me. And it also introduces side B of the album, which is a suite of songs that all run into each other, which is um, a really intriguing choice for an album that didn't do that on side A. Do they? So do they all? Yeah, I run think they into do. Each other? Okay. I think if you go and listen to it, they okay. they are seamless. Wow, interesting. It's very cool. It could have been one track. I think that would have been interesting. That would have been. Um, there's an interesting bridge where it just jams over a, a two chord progression. Um, I have written here, not a single exclamation point. <laughs> Every song on this album has its own Wikipedia page. And we've, we've, <laughs> we noticed that, I think, uh, with our last episode with Beach Boys, Pet Sounds. Every song, I think, had, the, had its own... Uh, I think that's, that's indicative of it, just how great this whole album mm-hmm. is. Uh, because, yeah, this song, I, I love it. And in fact, I'm going to play you a few seconds... A little bit of so the the Smashing Pumpkins covered this song oh, about really? in the mid to late nineties. They did a box set that was a lot of like outtakes and that okay. kind of thing. And they had a few covers, and uh, Billy Corrigan was a um, self proclaimed huge Cars fan, and so they did their own cover. And this is actually how I knew about the song. I didn't know the Cars version first. I knew the Smashing Pumpkins version first. And here's a little bit of that. Hang on. Cars version is definitely better. Don't get me wrong, but it's—I I thought that was a cool, uh, cool cover. Um, and actually, um, we were talking uh, in the green room earlier, and uh, <laughs> uh, Rick Ocasek did a solo album in the mid '90s. It's called Troubleizing, and it came out like maybe '96. And Billy Corgan is on several songs of that uh, of that album. I think he actually has a couple co-writes i believe in that on that album Mm. so um check it out it's interesting i i'm not saying it's great uh but it's definitely got uh, some interesting things going on with it so yeah you're you're all i've got tonight not a single and um an album filler if you will (laughs) which is um staggering because it's it's really good it could have it could have been a single and if you listen to again we were talking about earlier Classic rock radio plays this one all the time. Mm-hmm. You're always here. You're all I've got tonight. And we both agree this is better than Good Times Roll. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, okay. We are now down mm, to, I believe, to I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we are now down to three songs. Um, and the next one that I've got is a song called Bye Bye Love. Hmm. Is this... Am I making no, we're, you? We're good. Ocar, I'm not making you Ocar sick. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. All right. Here we go. This is Bye Bye Love.
I'm starting to think that Greg Greg Hawks might be the unsung hero in this band because, like, the more I'm starting to kind of listen, I mean, Elliot Easton is great. There's, I don't know, I'm probably I'm probably stepping on some. I mean, I'm probably committing a million sins here, but I'm Greg Hawks is amazing. Like, and hearing it through these headphones, like I'm just hearing just all his work on the synths, and it's great. Um, I love this chorus. This is probably one of their best choruses. Mm-hmm. Uh, this goes back to one of their oldest songs. Uh, this is the, something they'd had uh, probably since the early 70s. And um, it's just a great song. I, I kind of like the tempo change. Well, I don't know if it's a tempo change. I, I don't know if it's a feel change or a tempo change. Mm-hmm. It's probably more of a feel change. But it definitely goes into this much more staccato kind of chorus. He's doing something different on the drums. He's doing he's playing more toms maybe on the verses, and he's going right into something a lot more staccato in the, mm-hmm. on the, in the chorus. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Um, it, but I love it. And uh, this is one that and the guitar work is great. Oh, I yeah. love. I love the. The guitar, the jangly guitar that he's he's got. I mean, he did, it's weird. He doesn't use a lot of distortion. There's a couple songs he uses distortion on, but a lot of his guitar sounds are very clean. That I'm start I'm starting yeah, to kind no of doubt. I'm starting to kind of. I mean, I'm obviously he's running them through some sort of effects and that that kind of thing. But there's not a lot of. I don't hear a lot of distortion. Right. It's it sounds very very clean. So anyway, I love it. Great great guitar sound. Great song. Yeah, uh, and back to your comments about the chorus i literally have written down here this chorus is as good as any cars chorus ever there you go so um we're in we're again we're we're on the same page with this one this is where i would have eliminated this because it's getting so hard to uh to eliminate stuff um also not a single question mark that's what i have written (laughs) i know like how is this seriously um, no, it's amazing. I love uh, that kind of dreamy pre-chorus uh, with the electric piano that sounds like a Donald Fagan moment yeah. uh, from Steely Dan. It it just it's a nice little uh, break in in the new waviness of it all. Yeah, and then it hits you with that chorus. I think it's just brilliant arrangement. Um, the verses are to me like pure '70s feel good rock. Um, and I think it's again like a function of them. This this is the late seventies. Rock is beginning to change. Mm-hmm. They're a new wave band because of Hawks uh, and his incredible synth work. And uh, I feel like this is this is the transition out of the seventies. This song perfectly sums up the transition from the seventies into the new wave era. Even with the lyrics, it's like bye bye love. I feel like they're saying goodbye to the '70s with this song. Oh, interesting! It's I like that epitaph. interpretation. It's an I epitaph. Like, I like that. I feel like we need to work, work uh, the word epitaph <laughs> into each show. We've, I think we've done it several times <laughs> yeah. at this point. 
No, that's um, good though. I like that interpretation. Again, Ben Orr on vocals doing a great, great, great job. On I mean, we're not saying enough about Benjamin Orr. I feel yeah. bad because we're not giving him enough respect because his vocals are so good, especially yeah. on this one. And he kind of approaches like uh, Freddie Mercury levels on this man, mm-hmm. like with his yeah. stylings. I think for sure. Um. So yeah, hell of a song, man. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Um, Let's just not even eliminate it. Let's just stick it back on. <laughs> give sure. it, give it a pass. Absolutely. Um, no, it's it's great. Uh, but it did have to go. It did. It did have to go, and we are now. You now have the dubious honor of being able to determine. Oh my God! Do I really? You now get to, so now this happened. I had the honor the last two times. I don't know how, but you now have the honor. It was the coin flip. It was the coin flip. You now have the honor of determining the top track by okay. removing this second to the last song. Yeah, so what was your us. number two? My number two was You're All I've Got Tonight. Okay. And mine was uh, Moving in Stereo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Well, uh, no, your, your number two was... Yeah, 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 yeah. Moving in stereo. So, okay, so I picked the song I'm eliminating off this list. Uh, I'm trying to remember our format. Well, so there are two songs left. The, right. The two songs so left are the winner and the loser. You're picking. You're picking the winner and the loser by by eliminating the second to the last song. You're basically also picking the last song. Okay. So what I'm eliminating. This is, it's a lot of Why pressure. Why is this my job, I man? Don't know. This sucks. It's a lot of pressure. Do you want to take a minute? <laughs> yeah. No, I guess I'll just dive into it. Uh, I'm going to eliminate my best friend's girl. Okay. That's what I had, too. Wow. Yeah. None of us got Ocarsic? None of us, none of us got Ocarsic. It's too bad. I really wanted to use that safe word. <laughs> and you told me at the beginning of this show. Um, all right. So Matt is eliminating my best friend's girl right here. Only on top track. you're saying is you hate my best friend's girl man that song (laughs) sucks well um this is almost a perfect song (laughs) i'm not doing a good job justifying my actions i know uh it's a perfect example of the like to the old time rock and roll in the new wave I, i i know i keep talking about it i sound like a broken record at this point but the cars really do that well it's like this could be a 50s rock song or this could be an 80s rock song uh, and this is a perfect example of that. And how about Elliot Easton 
with his rockabilly. The rockabilly, man. Who makes that choice and makes it sound cool, dude? I don't know. Like, I don't know. If you're listening to this song uh, in the studio, trying to decide what kind of guitar part should come in next, you're not going to go to rockabilly in your mind. And it sounds like he's even finger picking it. I don't know. Like it yeah. sounds. It sounds. He's it sounds, doing some hammer on. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a very serviceable rockabilly guitar part. Man, it's good. It's, it, it sounds like a guy who knows his knows his music. Yes. Like it sounds like a guy who knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, this guy he's a left-handed guitar player. Mm-hmm. He started on right-hand guitar, even though he's left-handed. I think there was like some confusion. I think his dad brought him home the wrong-handed guitar, and he started learning that way. And one day, one of his his friends was like, "Hey, you need to flip this over and restring it and play it left-handed." I didn't know that. Thank God for that guy. Yeah, I mean, did McCartney have the same kind of deal? I want hmm. maybe not. I don't know. I feel like that's a common affliction of left-handed. There are some guitarists that will just flip it over without restringing it like dick yeah. dale uh which is oh really interesting uh i think doyle bramhall the third does that that creates a cool sound yeah but yeah it's just like this functionality of uh being a square peg in a in a round hole yeah uh guitar makers they overlooked left-handed guitar players for a long time um speaking of guitars this features one of the signature kind of uh guitar motifs that the cars use where rick ocasek does this like palm muted kind of intro oh i love that yeah Yeah. and if you listen closely you'll hear that in a lot of cars songs um and it really kind of sets the stage for an entire career's worth of, of doing that but like the palm muted guitars with the hand claps dude what an intro and if you if you get a chance i'm trying to think where you can find it on youtube but there's a couple live versions of this song Mm -hmm. from like the 70s and it's cool because it's rick um playing the guitar and the other four members are hand clapping and it's a really cool wow yeah it's really cool awesome and he's just he's doing exactly what we're talking about he's doing like the palm muted riff Okay, and they're all, the other four, like even the drummer, uh, even David Robinson, he's there. He's in the back, hand clapping, and it's a it's a really cool visual. It's it's a cool sound too. But yeah, it sounds. I'm gonna great. check that out. Yeah. That sounds uh, like a very exciting live moment. Yeah, it is. It is. It really is. Um, yeah, I mean, she's my best friend's girl, but she used to be mine. Like, what more you can say? This is this is a classic. Uh, rock Not a bad topic. lyric. I, I think he he. This is one of his better lyrics, I think. It is, and it's so innocent too. I yeah. love that it's just it's just a classic uh, topic for a classic sounding song, and uh, you have to imagine this inspired Jesse's girl, right? I'm looking at it. I don't really have a whole lot to add. I'm looking at the chart position. It hit number three in the UK. It hit 35 on the US Billboard. It barely cracked the top 40 in the Netherlands. Again, we got a Netherlands reference. Fucking Netherlands. I know. Um, didn't really do much anywhere else. It's kind of crazy, but like, this is one of those songs that didn't make a huge splash at the time. But everybody knows this song. Yeah, um, this is a or, monster yeah, jam for them. It really is cool. Um, you said it, it's kind of Elliot Easton's show. Um, his guitar work on it is phenomenal, and it's one of the better Rick Ocasek vocals uh, in. If you're making your list of Rick Ocasek 
vocals, I feel like this is on that on that short list. Sure. So it's great. It's really good. All right, man. So well, now at least one. Or no, we're done. So we have now determined once again. We did it, man. We did it. We were pretty, who else pretty, has who else has the courage to do this? We have yeah, now man. determined this is crazy. The top track for the Cars debut album, and the top track is a song called "Just What I Needed." Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> needed just what i needed uh i mean this is the cars and all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna go sort of i'm gonna go rogue here and play this solo because this is not your late 70s classic rock solo this is easton who's usually laid back uh getting to just go full balls out and he does some interesting things in here that you hear in New Wave, you just, but you don't hear in rock songs. So here, hang on. He goes, yeah. he goes from the two four to the one three, and then back to the two four. Yeah, so fucking cool. And I, the the solo is interesting. So like, in the seventies, your rock solos were blues solos. You know, they were blues. Mm-hmm. You know, you're playing blues yep. blues progressions, and you're playing blues um, blues scales. But like, he's playing thirds. So like, when he's he's ending his high note. On the chord. I mean, he's just, he's doing, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's hitting a, he's hitting a high E when the chord goes to E. He's mm-hmm. hitting a high A when the chord goes to A. He's doing things that you just don't hear in a lot of those blues solos from the late 70s. You just, it's a different way of playing solos. And I don't think that that was something that was heard a lot at the time. Um, I love the solo, but the drumming is also kick ass because David Robinson. Right after they right after they come out of the solo and go back to the verse, he does that really cool and like if you're not a music person, you probably don't know what he's doing, but you definitely 
whether you subconsciously or consciously notice it or not, you feel him going from the two four mm-hmm. to the one three, and then back to the two four. It's just, I don't know. It's a really it's it goes back to what we were saying at the very beginning. The, these guys found different ways of playing their yeah. instruments. It's not like they're doing anything that's impossible to play, but they're just they're just being creative with it and like going from the one three to the two four for just three or four measures changes the whole second half of the song no i don't know it's it's i don't know i love it yeah uh and uh, like when i was in college and i was in my first band um we we played a lot of originals and so when we chose a cover it was something that we all had to agree had to be really kick-ass and this is the song that we all agreed on really shout out to chad kelly robert anderson wes ardwan chris sherman uh but there were parts of this song that really threw us for a loop. Uh, for instance, the the intro also has some weird hits on it, where it's not just four fourths. You're you're hitting. He comes in on an yeah, offbeat, right? Yes, or does he? he does. Yeah, yeah. He does. So that was tricky. The guitar hits are tricky in that intro. Um, I think you're hitting on the seventh note, and then the mm-hmm. seventh and eighth note. Uh, it it's it's trippy. And then the drum part where it switches to double time or whatever that yeah. is. Truth be told, sometimes we just skipped that yeah. that nuance because it was so crazy. Yeah, it's it's hard to to nail. I mean, it's a, it's it's not easy, and it can throw your, you can throw your whole band out of sync if, right. it, if you know. But uh, I love that part, um, and I think it's a great vocal. And um, three and a half minutes of perfection. And this is Ben Orr on vocals. Um, yes, and. Truth be told, full disclosure, I didn't know that until I started digging into this album. Like, I always assumed that was Rick Okasik. He sounds like him. He does. It's also kind of like a little dark in that it's, uh, it, well, it's subversive in that the drum parts are kind of in weird places. And then, like, the verses, you would think it's going from E to B to C sharp minor to A, which is like just a classic chord progression that's in like thousands of songs mm-hmm. but it doesn't it goes from e to a b to a c sharp minor to an uh an a flat which is crazy yeah, a flat right. major that's right um so when you're playing it as a guitar player that's not where your 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 fingering wants to go it but i love that they make that sound cool it only hit 27 Wow. On the U.S. Billboard, so this thing didn't even crack the top twenty. Um, it only cracked the top twenty in the U.K. It got to seventeen in the U.K. Uh, it didn't even. It barely cracked the one hundred in Australia, thirty-eight in Canada, twenty-seven in Ireland, thirty-eight what did it do in New Zealand. In the, what did it do in the Netherlands? I'm it didn't the, even register in the Netherlands. Having the damnedest time figuring those people out. What, what's your reaction when I tell you that this was number 369 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time? <sighs> I, I don't know. I mean... You don't know what's before and after. I would have to it. know what's yeah, before and after. Right. But like, I would think 369 sounds way too low. Way too low for this song. I mean, I'm not saying it needs to be in the top 10. Right. I'm not saying it even needs to be in the top 20. But uh, top 50? It's one of the greats. Yeah, it's this one is great. Uh, and everybody knows it. And uh, everybody's heard it a hundred times. And everybody knows the words to it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's embedded in our consciousness. So it's a great song. It deserves the distinction as the top track. You know, and you take different snapshots of these things at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
Yeah, that's always kind of a hard. Yeah. So okay. So in in two thousand three, when Rolling Stones first did Rolling Stone first did their five hundred greatest albums, it was number two hundred eighty two. Later on, with the twenty twenty update, it moved to three fifty three on the greatest. So it moves down. Yeah, because you know more albums more get albums, added. Yeah, you know, get you get a Lauren Hill miseducation of Lauren Hill for put sure. in there. You know, for sure. it's going to happen. Sure. Uh, gonna happen. It'll be a damn tragedy if this slips off the list completely because it's, it's getting close there. The joke, the running joke, is that this is this was their greatest hits, and so like it seems like impossible for this album to fall off of that five hundred. So hopefully it won't. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great album, and uh, I think worthy of us spending an hour, hour and ten, hour and twenty minutes talking about it. Yeah, um, I feel like their career was too short lived. Yeah, really was as a band. Uh, I don't know anybody who doesn't like the Cars. I've never, literally, never heard anybody say, "Yeah, I don't care for the Cars." Right. Yeah. Um, and I remember being on a road trip with the fam. You know, and you got to pick some if you're playing music in the car. You got to kind of pick something that you know. It isn't going to be too batshit crazy for your kids to listen to. And when I put this on, man, well, actually, I didn't put this album on, but I put on their greatest hits. Mm -hmm. I was really proud of that choice as a dad. Like, like, maybe there's a slight chance they're going to think I'm cool because they've never heard any of these songs. And I'm really proud of this output from the cars. That's a solid, they got a solid 20 songs that are, are great. Man, I put it up against any band, really. That brings us to the end of our show. If you would like to follow us, you can follow us at Insta- on Instagram at Top Track Pod. That's where we are on Instagram. We're, of course, on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you would like to email us uh, suggestions, recommendations, or give us feedback, or if you'd like to recommend an album that we should review on our show, you can email us at toptrackpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to be a guest on our show, send us an email. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll have a, a listener series, and we'll um, we'll get other folks to to join in on the fun. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think this is a refreshing setting to kind of get away from all that uh, true crime bullshit that's on. <laughs> it's everywhere on podcasts. That's Everybody right. wants to talk about murders. Yeah, you just want to talk about rock and roll, man. What's wrong with rock and roll? <laughs>